Hey, thanks for listening to the UDR cast. If you appreciate the kind of in-depth conversation and insight into recovery, make sure to sign up as a member. Most of our members pitch in 5 or 10 bucks a month, the price of a few coffees. To make this happen, you can sign up at the website at billward.life. The UDR cast is not affiliated and does not represent any 12-step fellowship. I, Bill Ward, the host of the UDR cast, will be sharing my experience and my journey of recovery. That does include, but is not limited to, the literature contained in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 Steps. Our guests will be sharing their own path to recovery and what has worked for them. The UDR cast encourages and supports all paths to recovery. Welcome everybody to the UDR cast. UDR stands for Uncover, Discover and Recover. My name is Bill Ward and I'm coming to you from the recovery capital of Canada, Calgary, Alberta. Here we are going to discuss everything recovery, different perspectives, different experiences, both with the people I know and with others from around the world. If you resonate with anything you've heard on this episode today, we ask that you share it with anyone who you think may benefit from it. If you have any questions or comments, please find us at billward.life and send us a message in the info section. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. If you are interested in more recovery content, you can find the buttons for the YouTube channel and other social media outlets on the homepage, and you will be redirected to those platforms. We can recover. One person, one family, one community at a time. Okay, welcome to another edition of the UDR cast. Uh, I'm Bill Ward. I'm your host coming to you live from the recovery capital of Canada. Today I got a real special guest. He's uh, been a friend of mine. I sponsored him years ago and he's just kicking ass and taking names these days. And his name is Regan H. Welcome, Regs. Good to have you here, bro. Thanks for having me, Bill. I appreciate uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate uh you asked me to do this, and, and uh, you know, I, I think, uh, I think a part of me, you know, we, we talk about recovery and not being resentful, and I was like, you know, for 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 years, I'm like, what are my what are my bills going to ask me to do this fucking podcast? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, and I just kind of just laid low and was like, he'll ask me eventually, right? So, I appreciate you having me, man. I, I appreciate you, and I appreciate everything you do for everyone. And, yeah, thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Um. So yeah, bro, I'm just uh like I said, glad to have you here and get to hear your story. And I know I've I know many parts of your story, but in the last few years you've grown so much that I don't know a lot of like your story and the growth of your new life and shit, right? And so that I'm really interested into and, and I know the listeners really like the old part, the drug log part and but I really like the the new part. What's life like now and You've really come a long way, right? We were talking before the episode, and you're just kind of fucking living your best life, eh? Uh, you know, I, I we talked about this before we started this thing, and talking about how we live our best lives these days, and it was like, and sometimes it's just surreal. You I mean, I, I remember sitting on my deck a few weeks ago, and, you know, just looking out the sky, and I'm like, how the fuck did I end up here? You know what I mean? And it's like, I would have never thought I would have ended up where I was, where I am now, you know, five, six, seven years ago. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, I owe everything to, 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 to recovery. I mean, a big part of this is, is, uh, you know, the work that I put in this 12 step thing and, and not really understanding what it was at the beginning and, uh, and failing and having a little bit of success, a little bit of failure, uh, and some hard fucking lessons over the years. You know what I mean? And, and, and I think that, you know, you, you kind of see me walk that journey and, 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 and uh, see me, stumble and fall and make fucking mistakes like we like like we've seen it like now i've seen other people do you know what i mean and i just uh i just never knew that what was waiting for me you mm. know? so and that's why i think i have so much respect for you is because i know how hard it is and i know that i've seen you slip and i've seen you fall and i've seen you almost not make it back and then you came back and like with a totally different attitude to dig in and to do the things you needed to do. And as a result, you're living your best life today, right? And, you know, we were chatting earlier. You just bought your first, you know, house, apartment, 
of your own that you've ever owned. You know, work's going great. You just traveled to, where'd you go? Portugal. Portugal for your best friend's wedding. And just like these gifts, right? And and we owe it all to to the process and to the creator that we ended up finding. And, and yeah, man, I just have a lot of respect for your stick-to-itiveness and your fucking digging in real hard. And so let's get into this. Uh, I guess I want to say one thing before we get going. So the reason I started this podcast years ago was so I was able to maybe inspire somebody to help them want to change. And we both know that putting down the drink and putting down a substance is, it's a big part of it, but it's, in some ways, it's the smallest part of it. And uh, and if we don't change, if we don't do the heavy work, if we don't go through the pain and do the things we need to do, we probably will pick up again, right? So I just want to kind of reiterate that this podcast is to really try to inspire people to want to make those changes and and learn what recovery really is. To me, it's really recovering from the spiritual malady. Would you not agree? I would agree that, uh, I would agree to that now. You know I mean, that like you would ask me five years ago that, that if I was, you know, like if I was recovering from a spiritual sickness, I would have probably told you to get fucked, right? And it's like, uh, you know, what I didn't know then, what I know now, um, I, everything that anyone ever told me back then, you know, like when we're talking 2018-ish, my first really shot of recovery, uh, you know I mean? And, and not knowing what I needed to recover from was the problem, right? So I would 100% agree now that, you know I mean, like, uh, you know, you mentioned that, that you know, like the substance is, is such a small spark. It's the fucking tip of the iceberg, you know I mean? Mm. The real problem is fucking Regan, you know I mean? And it's like, until I uncover what's going on with Regan and, and what makes him tick and what makes him drive and what, where that takes me, uh, I was bound to fail. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like putting the drink down is just like, is, is very much the easiest part of this. Right. I think for me it was right. You know, I mean, like I, I could go to detox and, and, and put the, put, put the substance down, but I was always still there, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and now I get to spread that message of, you know, like, of what you're, what people need to recover from, and if you don't catch on to that, you're in big trouble. So, you know, like, fuck yeah. And on that note, let's kind of take it back, bro. Let's take it back to to the beginning. Like, you know, let's let's go through your story a bit. Tell the listeners like where you came from. Like, what did your childhood look like? And you know, give us some backstory. Sure. Uh, like I say, I mean, I, I grew up in a pretty stable, uh, you know, family for for all all respects. You mean like, uh, you know, I have a, I have an older brother that is is a, you know is now pretty successful, and uh, you know, obviously went through uh, uh, went through uh, you know, like obviously went through the, the typical childhood things. I think that I lots of, lots of people can relate to, to divorce, to your parents splitting up, and. And not really knowing how much that affected me till later, later in my life, and it was like, uh, you know, it turned out to be a big deal, right? And and not to, not to, you know, like, none of that was my fault, right? And like, I think a, a, a part of me back then thought that, you know, like, uh, was my fault, but you know, I mean, like, I, I, you know, through the high school years, I mean, I and we, oh, I always, you know, like now I see this stuff in, in meetings. I remember when I first started going there, it was like. Oh, here's never fit in. I never fit in over here. I mean, I was I didn't fit in with this guy, and I was like, "Who the fuck are these people?" Right? And then I, you know, and the more I got into this program, I'm like, "Fuck, that's me." I never fit in with anyone. I, I, I bounced from crowd to crowd. You know what I mean? Then I finally found the people that accepted me, right? Like most of us do. Mm. And the drugs and alcohol started, right? Mm. Where I fucking felt at home. These people accepted me. So when you were growing up, where'd you grow up? I grew up in uh, lovely Sydney, British Columbia. Oh, nice, nice. And uh, when you were like in elementary, do you remember any sign of disconnect there when you look back now? You know, I look back. So here's here's a tad story that I I don't I don't think I share very often or at all, pretty much. You mean like, but like when I was in like kindergarten, grade one, like. I had like I, I I had gotten held back because I had like this eye surgery when I was 
And I just remember this right now. Like, I got held back. So, like, in, in the very beginning of my elementary school, like, my first year, I was, like, you know, half the day I was in kindergarten, half the day I was in grade one. So it was already split up. You know I mean, like, had friends in this grade, friends, I mean, people bugging me why I got held back. You know, like, or you're stupid or this or that, or the other thing. And I was, like, I was just blowing my mind right now because it's the first time I've ever talked about this, mm. right? And, like, as a very young child, I can't believe I'm just thinking, we're I'm talking about this right now. I was, like, from the very start, I was disconnected, right? Mm. I never, you know, I was split between this, that, and the other thing, and, and never really fit in, ever, ever. So, mm. you know. Did, uh, did your mom and your dad give you, like, a lot of nurturing and, and explain things to you in life? And did they give you, like, a lot of love, or was it? They were loving, but from a distance or what? So here's the thing. So, you know, like, my mom, God bless her, um, loved me to death. Loved me. She, you know, she was, she was the, the typical, you know, mom. You know what I mean? Um, my dad, on the other hand, the, all males in my family are very robotic, right? My dad has not told me he loved me. I can't remember once in my whole life that he's told me he loved me. Do I do I think he loves me? Of course I do. Do I know he does? Of course he does. He, you know what he shows is love, right? But like the words have never come out of his mouth. You mean like my I I'm a lot of my mom, right? Like I'm sensitive, I'm emotional. You mean I, and you know, I look at my my brother and he's a lot like my dad. They're both like robots. They don't understand. You know if something's fucking your life up, you just stop doing that, right? And when I was going through you know through the the whirlwind of addiction you know what I mean my mom kind of understood right because she had she had a, she had a gambling problem when, when we were growing up and, and we can talk we can talk more about that in a minute right that was a big big shit 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 storm right um but like people that don't understand addiction people that don't understand um the mental obsession and the allergy and stuff like that well you know like and it's not my responsibility to explain that to them because they'll never understand right but like they're very hardline guys. My my dad and my brother. You know what I mean? Like, um, they put up boundaries and they hold their boundaries, even though even if they think they're wrong, or even if I know if I think they're wrong, or whatever the case may be, right? Mm. But you know, like, my mom, you know, like, was a very nurturing, loving, caring woman, right? She had her own demons, right? But like, uh, you know, like never. Uh, you know, we talk about the spiritual disease or whatever. You know, I think that I think every human on this planet suffers from that to what extent some very little some very extreme right agreed brothers sisters one brother older brother right how much older three years right so like growing up you mean like you know my brother ruined a lot of things for me bill right i never got a fucking car because he fucking ruined that for me right uh you mean i say that now but you mean like i you know i think you know, like, my brother was was a test subject for all these things that, you know, my parents were laying out for him, right? So, if he screwed them up, I never got them. He's like, well, your brother screwed that up for you, right? And it's like, um, got, you know, like, I love my brother. Do we have the best relationship today? Not really, right? Um, we're, we're cut from two different cloths, I think. Um, you know, um, but I think that relationship's coming back. So, okay, kind of rewinding. You had touched base on maybe your mom's gambling. What? Sure, I'll, I'll, yeah, on that. Sure, I can touch base on that. You know, it is. So here's where it is. Okay, this is where the I had a huge resentment against my mom uh, over the years. Okay, and it, it looked a lot like this. So, um, my parents got divorced when I was about 10, 12, 13, in that early, early teen areas. Okay, um, and never really knew why. Right, I, I think that uh, they they hit they hit a lot of that stuff. They didn't want us to see it, right? And I seen the relationship deteriorating. Like I'm not, you know, like I'm not fucking stupid. You know what I mean? Like, um, and funny story, and not, not even really a funny story. It was kind of now I look back at it, it was kind of terrible, right? Like, so my mom worked for this company for for twenty plus years, okay. And the owner had a daughter that I went to high school with. She was a couple years younger to me than me, and um, 
And my mom had lost her job and I never knew why, right? I thought it was because of the divorce, they were having trouble or whatever like that. So I was at this party one night and, and this girl's like, hey, she's like, oh, you know, she's like, like, you know, we're really sorry about, we had, you know, your mom. I'm like, oh, yeah. She's like, yeah, we had, you know, my dad had to fire her. She stole this money. And I'm like, what are you talking about, right? Like, what are you talking about, right? So long story short, what, what had happened was is that my parents used to build houses. That's what they used to do. They used to build a house, live in it, then they'd build another house, live in it. So they had a big account that had this this business fund in it. They, they had hundreds of thousands of dollars in it. Right, so we hadn't built a house. I apparently, you know, we hadn't built a house in a few years, and and my dad had never checked the account for this money. So we went and checked his account, and all the fucking money's gone. Right, so I guess she had gambled away all the money, right? Which is, which in turn was a big part of their divorce, and they're not knowing that kind of stuff, right? So, you know, this this just shows you what kind of guy my dad is, right? And I think I think I I have a lot of my dad's attributes when it comes to comes to this kind of stuff. So. She he had found out she'd spent all this money, and I I heard this. And bear in mind, Bill, I I had heard this through my uncles, right? No one had ever. My dad finally had told me this story a few years ago, right? Some details. I think they really had like it was a really sore spot, right? So she had spent all this money, right? Then she embezzled a bunch of money from this company she was working with because she was the accountant. They had caught her fired her and charged her, we're going to charge her with fraud. So my dad, after she, she had stole all this money, went to, because they, they'd known each other, they, they've known each other for 25 years. They, 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 you know, like we've gone to their house for dinner, for Christmas dinner and stuff like that. So I knew who these people were. And my dad's like, listen, if I pay that money back, will you drop the charges? And they're like, yeah, we'll drop the charges. My dad fucking paid the money back so she didn't have to get charged with the crime. Right After she had just ruined him right so they got a divorce and she went on her way and and at that point i was living you know at my dad's house during the week going to school and then going to my mom's house on the fucking weekends you know what i mean and like just twisted right the fuck up you mm. know what i mean and i never you know and then you know and then I, you know that's really when you know and we i look back on this and there's some revelations in my life right i had someone ask me when did you start using drugs oh fuck right about the time this shit started happening right Oh, okay. Because, you know, and I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, I'm fucking, didn't really know who I am. I don't have fucking very many friends. I'm getting twisted and pulled between fucking family members. Drugs seems like, it makes me, it makes me feel good, right? Um, so did your, when you were bouncing around between the houses, did your mom or your dad ever bring up like negativity about the other parent at all? You know, I I have to say that they never did. I, you know, I, I don't remember that. Yeah. My dad's like I say, my dad's a pretty conservative guy and doesn't he doesn't wear his heart on his sleeve, right? He'll hold it in. He he never he never he never said anything bad about my mom. He never trashed her. Yeah. Neither did my mom to him. You mean? And, yeah. I, and God bless. That's the kind of people they were. That's awesome. Right? And and in in large part. For the safety and the well-being of their kids, I'm sure, right? Like, they at least had enough wherewithal to not slam each other. And easily, your dad easily could have, and I'm sure your mom easily could have, but they chose not to, which is very commendable. But what I guess I want to point out about that is, because everything is energy, and you're a child, and children are, they're pretty pure, like, we're like antennas as children, and we pick up on things, right? And... So even though you might not consciously know certain things, I'm sure that your unconscious was picking up like some really bad vibes and some real negativity. And, you know, it's affecting you probably in ways that you didn't really even understand, right? And because as you're telling the story, by what you're telling and what you've seen, you haven't really seen anything um, disruptive, yeah, they split up and they got a divorce, but you didn't really see any evidence of it. And now you're just kind of moving from house to house. But all through that whole process and all of these hidden things that have been happening, you probably were feeling in and taking energy and blah, blah, blah. And then you get to this point where, you know, you start doing drugs, right? How old were you when you started doing drugs? Oh, I think I was in grade seven or eight when I started smoking. I started my smoke my first joint, I think. 
You mean? But I, I, I started doing cocaine when I was like 15 years old. That's when I started, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think a big part of that, you know, like, I, you know, I'll never blame my problems on, on my past, right? Um, but that, the resentment that grew through that situation was terrifying right you mean the resentment that grew from them not being honest with you 100 fucking percent you know like i wanted a, a part of me over the, my entire life i you know like i wanted the fucking truth from them not from my fucking aunt and uncle not from another aunt and uncle not from parts from my brother right I wanted them. I wanted my mom to be like, "Listen, I stole all that fucking money. I spent it off. I got fired from the job from fucking ripping my boss off, right? That's why we split up. That's all I wanted, right? I've never gotten that to this day. Have I accepted the fact that my mom was probably a very sick woman back then? One hundred percent. Do I relate to that today? A hundred and fucking ten percent. Do I crucify her for what her past? Not anymore. Fuck right. yeah, dude. I I want to share something. So I had my own serious resentments growing up and into my teens and adult years. And, you know, my mom wasn't around and blah, blah, blah. And she dated alcoholics and, you know, they weren't very nice to her. You know, I remember seeing her with, you know, she's beaten up quite often, especially by this one guy. Anyway, uh, a few years ago when I started this podcast and I got my YouTube channel going and stuff and my mom was curious. So she jumped on the YouTube channel and listened to some of the talks that I've done. And I remember sitting with her outside on her deck and I'm going back about four years ago, maybe three years ago. And I asked her, has she seen anything that I've been doing? And she's like, yeah. And she said, I'm not really happy about it. You're telling a whole bunch of stuff that I don't really like to be aired. And I looked at my mom right in the eyes and I said, mom, that was my life. That was my life. I'm I'm allowed to share my life. These are my experiences. And then we got into a really good deep chat out of that, and she was crying, and I was tearing up, and it was pretty pretty unreal. It was uh, definitely something that opened up a new door for us. And then the next time I saw her, I asked her if she would spend time with me and tell me the whole story of any questions I had from my childhood. And she said she needed to think about it. She took about a month and she thought about it and she said, yeah. And then so one day I picked her up and we drove out to the mountains out by Canmore somewhere and we parked and I asked her question after question after question of my childhood. She answered every single question I asked her. And it just cleared so much out of the way for me because my mind was making shit up and I didn't know a lot of the answers of a lot of things. And since that conversation, I've forgotten a lot of them, Yeah. but in the same breath, like, is there a chance that your mom might listen to this? I don't think so. I, you know, I would ask her, you know, here's the thing is I don't want to ambush her with something like this. Right. Do I think that, do I still want her to tell me these things? I think a part of me does, right? Um, you know, but like the relationship, you know, I, 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 I actually went last year. When was it this year? I think it was this year. This year, like, uh, I, I made a trip down to the island to to make the amends. There's some real fucking amends, right? They're not this fucking around, like fucking, you know, like. Oh, we're happy that you're sober, Regan. You know, like I want to stare these. I want to sit and stare these people in their eyes, right? And, and so I went to. I went to take. I took my mom out, out for, for out for lunch, right? And it was like I got to sit down. And just take responsibility for how I treated her over the years. It wasn't about she this what she had done, or had not done, so to speak, right? I was like, just, you know, I was like, I want to take responsibility for treating you like a piece of shit over the years, right? I used you. All I did, you know, like, I took advantage of that, right? That, 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 that being, you know, like, and I think I'll, both my parents, 
both said the same thing, right? They felt responsible for the way that I turned out, right? And that's why, well, that's why you know, the money flowed, right, whenever I asked for it, right? Because they felt guilty mm-hmm. about what happened, right? <laughs> Until the guilt turned into resentment, and then the boundaries went up, right? Mm-hmm. So that's how... That's how most of you know. That's how for me it went. But like, I, I'm sure that I'm sure that some of your listeners out there can relate to that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so kind of backtracking back to you. You're smoking weed in about grade seven. Your parents are now divorced. There's a whole bunch of things that have been going on behind the scenes that you don't know about. You find out about part of it through a friend from school, and uh, you start smoking weed, and you kind of navigate through those. Uh, junior high school years and your drug use is progressing i'm sure you started picking up the odd drink and and take us from there into your teenage years oh 100 you know i started drinking before i ever picked up a joint right you know like, I, you know, like i like to say that my dad was an alcoholic growing up you know what I mean but like i look back on it now he's probably just a moderate drinker you know what i mean and i remember it's always a story a part of my 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 story i like to touch on is that you know, when I thought my dad was an alcoholic, I remember it was when my parents were still together. You know, I, I remember my mom coming to pick me one day. She's like, oh, your dad, you know, he got in an accident. He got in an accident. Long story short, he, was, you know, he left the bar and rear-ended someone and got arrested and got charged with drinking and driving, right? And, and you know, I'll be, you know he got off in the charge or whatever. That's, that's minor details, right? But the biggest part of this was, is like, he never touched another drop of alcohol in his entire life up to this point. And, you know, I remember, fuck, what was it? It was when I was in my mid-20s, late 20s or something like that. I finally asked him, like, Dad, why the fuck did you quit drinking back then? He looked me dead in the eye and he said, Regan, it just wasn't fucking fun anymore. And I was like, it still hits me here. I get fucking I get fucking goosebumps just saying that. Right? And I remember like, fuck, yeah. That's exactly what I'm going to do when, I get, when I'm not having fun anymore. <laughs> 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 you know? And, uh... Little did I know that I wasn't able to to uh, to do that because I'm an alcoholic, right? And I, uh, you know, I, I I drank, you know, I, I drank to fit in, right? That's what my friends were doing. I think all these fucking stories that come back to me. You know, I I used to hear these people, and like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I used to hear these people in meetings, and everyone's story, you know, all the consistencies. I wanted to I, I wanted to not be those, right? I wanted to be this unique guy that didn't drink because he didn't fit in, right? You know, I was always on this premise, like, I'm like, some people just become addicted to drugs because they're addicting, right? I don't believe that today, but, um, you know, and, you know, that they, 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 you know, they, the alcohol turned into weed and the weed turned into, to, you know, drinking and acid and mushrooms and, and then, you know, I was introduced to cocaine and, you know, and that was, that kind of got carried away in, in, in my later teens, you know what I mean? And, uh, and at that point, you know, I I, 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 I kind of followed in my brother's footsteps. He went to school in, in, in Vancouver and uh, into trade school. So I followed his footsteps and, and, and I did that. And, you know, and uh, I moved to Vancouver when I, when I was 21 years old. And, um, you know, I kind of left my old friends behind. And, you know, I, I traveled back and forth sometimes when I had some free time and, and went and partied and whatever. But I was, like, focused on going to school and kind of getting that done because i had paid a lot you know taking out loans to get this kind of stuff done and I, you know it's pretty responsible i didn't burn my you know i was one of those things in in my early 20s that you know i was i was one of the but you know probably my one of my greatest achievements is getting it is getting into the trades and, and getting a red seal and, and being a journeyman millwright but uh you know i mean like my i i caught up with myself again so to speak you know what i mean i found the people that that partied and and you know when I started doing that and um you know I I went to school and I did that and I started working and you know and I, I was pretty manageable for fucking a lot of years you know what I mean I would party on the weekends I wouldn't really let it interfere with work that much and you know like there's a couple times in in in, in, my, in my early 20s that I remember going to work fucked up and you know and, and, and not getting enough sleep and right but like I always made it to work and I always you know, I always paid my bills. I always fucking had a car. I always paid my insurance. I always paid, you know, my cell phone bill. All the things I wasn't late, wasn't able to do later on in life. You know what I mean? Um, you know, and you know, and, and I ended up meeting a, a lovely woman um, 
and getting married in, in, in my mid-20s. I don't know, even know if you know that, Bill. You no, probably. I don't. I didn't. Right? Well, let me tell you about it. Well, <laughs> I, met this, met this, I met this lovely woman at, at a nightclub in, in Vancouver, and, um, you know, and we hit it off. We hit it off, I think. You know what I mean? And, and we ended up moving into, into, in with, in, with each other fairly quickly. Um, she was from a different nationality, and one of one of her parts for nationality was 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 very forbidden to live together when they're not when we're not married. Um, so, you know, fast forward to two years, we were dated for two years, got married, uh, we're married for two years, and then and I moved to Calgary in, in in that in that time, right? And uh, with her, with her, right? With her, we bought a house out out here in in, in the northwest, and. Or she bought a house. I should say she bought a fucking house. I didn't put any fucking money in. You know what I mean? I was just there. It was just along for the ride. You know what I mean? Uh, you know my. Uh, she didn't like the fact that you know like that that you know like she she knew I did I did I did cocaine and and uh, and didn't wasn't a big fan of that. But she never really forced the issue. And um, you know I moved I moved we moved to, to Calgary and I kind of cleaned up my act so to speak. You know I mean I remember not doing hard drugs for any drugs for about a year you know I mean but i drank and i would get blackout drunk bill and fuck, i would do some fucking stupid shit dude like like, like stuff that that i would have divorced me for at that point right <laughs> so i was like well i can't drink and not do the drugs because like look how look how i act right so i'll bring the drugs back in i'll bring the drugs back in so i can drink and not look like a fucking idiot right um and then I started to be unhappy, I, and I don't know why. I don't know if I was unhappy, but, you know, I cheated on her and did all sorts of fucking loser shit, you know what I mean? And it was like, I look back on it now, and it's just like, I just wasn't done partying, you know what I mean? I wasn't done womanizing, because that's a big part of my story, right? That's a big part of my story over the years, and um, I wasn't done with that, you know what I mean? And I remember I remember the day coming, it's like, I got to get out of this, I got to get out of this marriage. Even even like the day I was getting married, my best man, I was like, we're in this hotel room, and I'm like, dude, I'm like, if this doesn't work out, I'm gonna get divorced. He's like, you can't be thinking of that shit <laughs> your fucking wedding day, dude. You know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right, you're probably right. I'm like, but I'm gonna go through this. Like, all these people are here, I gotta kind of like go through this, this right? Um, you know what I mean? And my and my drug use caught up with me again. You know what I mean? I was, you know, I remember, um, you know, just hiding it from her and staying up for days and. You know, and doing all the fucking shit coke addicts do. You know what I mean, watching porn and fucking, fucking hookers and all this shit. You know what I mean, it was just like just chaos. You know what I mean, and finally, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm like, we're getting divorced. I'm leaving, right? Because like you're interfering. She was interfering with the relationship I had with drugs. Yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, well, I, obviously she has to go because the drugs are staying, right? So I was like, okay, you know what? You you take the house. I'm taking the car. You take the house that you paid for. You take the house you paid for. I don't want any equity out of it, okay? I'm not that selfish, Bill. Um, you take the house, take the car. I, this is how fucking stupid I am, okay? So I pack up all my shit. I fucking rent a place three blocks away. What was I thinking? You know what I mean? Like, like how fuck, you know, like, when I use drugs, I get very, 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 very sketchy, okay? You know, like most cocaine addicts do after a period of time, you know what I mean? At what point did I think it was a good idea to move three blocks away from the wife that I used to have and to think she's not going to come bang on the fucking door, mm-hmm. right? So talk about living in fear. I was terrified. I was terrified when I used drugs in that fucking house, dude. <laughs> Who's coming? When she? I know she's coming, right? When was the when, when was the terrifying thing, right? Yeah. And then having to not and then not having to answer the door when my vehicle's parked out front. She knows I'm home, right? So, long story short, we you know it was a pretty easy divorce. You know what I mean like she took all the stuff I didn't really give a fuck because it was high all the time, right? The fucking papers came in the mail because she filed for divorce. I signed them, sent them back. That was over. But like that's when things really took a turn, right? I didn't know how much I needed someone to tell me no, right? Regan on his own free will, without any a little leash here or there, is absolute chaos, right? That's when I started staying up for days at a time. That's when I started spending more money than I wanted to spend, right? That's when I started missing work, right? These are the things, you know, that's when I started hanging out with drug dealers. That's when I started, you know, like, thought that was cool to, like, hang out with these guys. You mean? That's when, you know, I like, thought it was a good idea, you know, because I was working out of town at the time. So when I come back from my days off, I'd sell drugs. 
And I'm going to tell you right now, I was the worst fucking drug dealer you ever met in your life, okay? I'm a drug doer, not a drug seller, Bill. You know? You don't, don't, don't give me, you know, like, if there's, a, if there's drugs, I'm going to do them all, right? No matter what I tell myself, no matter whose drugs they are, right? What the consequences might be. What the be consequences are going to be. Of doing somebody right. else's drugs. Right, you know? <laughs> but, like, you know, and that, you know, like, I was, just, you know, like, I always look down on people that that you know like that that smoked crack, or did meth, or heroin, or any of these other fucking stupid drugs, right? Me too. You know, and I was like, I just, I just you know, I fucking just grab an out, I just grab this powder stuff and I fucking rip that. Man, look at these losers smoking a pipe, right? Little did I know, um, that crack is awesome, right? Or so I thought. You know, man, I was never a big crack guy. I mean, I mean like, you know, like, I, I look back on this now, like, how many times I told myself, I'm sure you can agree with this, is that I'm never doing that. I'm never sticking that pipe in my mouth. I'm never cooking up a crack rock. I'm never going to fucking, uh, you know what I mean, like, sell my shit. I'm never going to steal from people. I'm never going to fucking rob people, right? I'm never not going to pay my rent, Right? I'm never going to use it work. Just like the book tells us, mm-hmm. right? Let I look back on this now. So I want to interject here. Yeah. So I had actually quit drinking when I was 22 years old. I never had a drink ever since then. I turned into a workaholic and my ego wanted status and money and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I did a lot of shady things while I was married too. And then I get to this point where I'm looking for my brother in Winnipeg and I had to go in a crack house. I had to smoke some dope, some crack. And I share the story in my story. I'm like, I fucking hated hard drugs. I always look down on druggies and crackheads and fucking junkies. I always look down on them. I thought an alcoholic was actually kind of superior to them. And then I had those couple hits of crack in that crack house because they wanted me to prove I wasn't a narc. It set off the uh, phenomenon of craving in my body, and I came back to Calgary, and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I ended up finding it, and that's what burnt my life. I went on a six-year spree and fucking destroyed my life. So very similar to you. I fucking wanted nothing to do with that. But I will tell you, the first time I did it, and hopefully no one does this to fucking get this feeling on the air, is it launched me into the fourth dimension. It fucking, it fucking was a spiritual experience. It was like fucking everything I ever looked for. But that was the same thing as alcohol and dope when I was young. It's the same thing as fucking getting a hundred thousand dollar check. Like, but this shit, you know, that first time I did crack it, it was, I was pretty much hooked instantly. Right, and it's like, it doesn't matter what it is. It's like you know, like what I what I've learned is you know, like I need relief. I need relief from the disease. Yep. Right. Yeah. Whatever gives me relief, I'm gonna overdo. Yeah. Right. If it's drugs. If it's women, if it's money, if it's fucking buying clothes or, you know, like sex or whatever it is, you mean like I can, you know, like even anger, even yeah. resentment, fucking like even is stewing in my head. I can get relief out of that. Yeah. Right. There's a snowball. I, I, I was talking, I, I was working with a, with a guy before, uh, before I came here and he's talking about this resentment he has about this guy that did fucking absolutely nothing to him. And I'm like, I'm like, and I, I've been there. I know like how the ball gets rolling. And I'm like, by the end of it, you know, like by the end of it, I fucking hated this guy. I don't even know who this fucking guy is, right? But like, I understand that, you know, like, like it just, it's, 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 the, the thought pattern, it's, it's just of, of resentment and anger, is just like it can get out of control, out of control. I mean, I, I, I sit there, even even I've had experiences where I sit there and I'm like sitting there having a smoke, and I'm like the whole, I'm like after that, I'm like the whole fucking time I'm smoking here, I've been fucking hate, you know, like stewing in this thing. Right, and I always have to, you know, ask God to relieve me of the fucking anger, right? And it's it's crazy how how you know like how aware I am of these things today, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, but being aware is just not enough. Some days, right? No, right? there's more. There's much more. There's much more. You know, um, to touch base back on on you know. Like, my drug use had carried on. You mean like I was never, never going to do the other stuff, right? Never going to do the other stuff until I ran out of the stuff I had, right? You know, and it's like, 
you know, I carried on, you know, and I, I held down a job for, for, for most of my life, right. Until like my late thirties and right. But I always, I was always a worker. You know, that, that was one thing that, that, that my parents had instilled in me. And if, you know, I, I'm forever grateful that they instilled the, the work ethic in me. Right. I've always been, had this work ethic that, that drives me. And it's like, and I got that, you know, I think, and I, I've I've shared this with other people is that Work work ethic is not something that you. It's something that you 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 gain through experience in life, right? I think it's something that you're raised with. It's not something that I can gain later, right? And you know, and the drive and determination, um, when it comes to my employment, is 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 uh is, is pretty pretty good, right? But like, you know, like drugs interrupted that, you know, um. You know, I, I became this guy that no one could rely on, right? You know, and every time I got, you know, like, it got to a point where, you know, like, if if I contacted anyone, they knew I needed money for something, right? Oh man, can you help me out with it? With it? With it, you know, with a hundred bucks so I can catch the bus, so I can get to Calgary, so I can catch the plane to work, and all this kind of stuff. Like, I look back on those like the ten years of life that I, that, you know, like when things got really bad. Like how exhausting it might have been, must have been. Like, I was exhausted. I can imagine it was for other people, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, but obviously, you know, like, you know, I always, I've always was drawn to people that, that got, that, that were doing the same things as me, mm -hmm. right? I was always into the younger crowd, right? Even as I got older, I still had the same friend, friends that were much younger than me, right? I don't know why that is, they, maybe just to like take, say, you know, live, keep living in that mentality of, of, of an early or mid-20s person, right? Mm -hmm. I always dated younger. I always had those people around. You know I mean, I finally have a, a point in my life where I have people, my own, friends my own age. Mm -hmm. And that's very out of character for the way I've lived my entire life, mm -hmm. right? You know, and, and, you know, we look at, like, the disease of alcoholism, the progressive, you know, chronic progressive and fatal, okay? The progressive part, it's pretty easy to see once you're out of, the active addiction part, right? And got some time in, right? I, I think in early, early recovery, I couldn't really see, I could see the progression in a snapshot, okay? But like, you know, with, you know, I'm coming on, you know, I just took a, a big milestone, uh, you know, I got three years and, and a few months now, but like, you know, like I look back in my, in the picture, in the, the entirety of my life, okay? You know, from the day that I picked up a beer, my dad's beer in the fridge, to the end, when I can't get enough heroin in, in my body to 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 do anything anymore, right? And it's like, well, it's pretty easy to see the progression now that I'm sober and, and, and in recovery and and live this life, and, and I get to share it with other people that are, are struggling. And it's like, man, like that's a long road. That's like twenty, you know, like from fifteen to forty is twenty five years, right? It took me 25 years to end up on heroin, mm -hmm. right? So let's kind of let's kind of fast forward and jump up to, you know, you got divorced, blah blah blah. That's all good. Your fucking illness progressed and it started taking you fucking right down at the knees. And uh, you know, maybe a little bit before I first met you, I met you in the rooms of recovery, and you came in and fucking figured it was something that it wasn't and you fucked around and you found out and then you almost died and blah, blah, blah. But let's kind of go right a little bit before you came in. What were you doing? Where were you and where did it take you? And then how did you find recovery? Sure. You know, like, so I really gave recovery shot in August of 2018. Okay. And leading up to this little, we'll say, sobriety bit we're gonna call it sobriety and mm -hmm. we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit but you mean like my life had 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 you know like had my drug use had progressed from from powder cocaine to meth to fentanyl okay um and you know as an opiate abuser i don't think any opiate abuser who gets into it really knows where it's going to take them I think it's, you know, you, you're like, it's one of those drugs where you don't understand how powerful it is, 
right? And most, you know, hard drugs are powerful, okay? I think anyone has their experience. You know, I mean, like, I remember when I started using opiates, someone's like, you better watch out. That's a different beast. And I was like, fuck you. Right? I've been doing drugs my entire life, you know? Um, and man, that shit cut me off of the knees in four years, right? And it's like, it was, you know, July of 2018. You know, I mean, I was homeless for my first time in Fort McMurray because I'd fucking moved everywhere to get away from what was going on, right? Everywhere. I think I moved like six times in like a year and a half, right? All over the place. So July hits, you mean I, I'm in Fort Mac and I fucking, I, I just overdosed for my first time and the people I was living with were like, you got to get the fuck out of here, man. We can't have this shit going on here. And I was like, yeah, whatever, man. You guys are smoking crack in here and doing whatever. And they held their ground. And they held their ground. You know, and they kicked me out and they, they sent me to this little fucking like, it's like a homeless center. It was like a flop. It was like, it was like one of those places where it had mattresses. And they sent me there and they're like, yeah, well, they, see you later. So I spent a couple of days almost there and, and someone had finally bought me a bus ticket. Someone bought me a bus ticket because, you know, we were talking about bus tickets. The guy's like, I'll get you out of here. I'll get you out of Fort Mac, man. I'll come down and get your Greyhound ticket and you get you to your aunt and uncle's house in and you can figure your shit out. So my aunt and uncle said, you can come down there. Um, went down there. I was, you know, I, I kind of detoxed there and I got a job because that was always what saved me, Bill. I always had a career that I could go bust my ass and make a shit ton of money and, and at least bail myself out of that mess, right? Um, so I get this job. I go back to Fort Mac. I'm living in camp. And long story short, I get fired from this job for shocker, Bill. I know, getting high on the job. And, uh, and I went back. And I went back to Trail. I went back to Trail, BC. And uh, I remember this is a story. This is part of my story I always tell, okay? I get fired from this job. And like they, they booked me a plane ticket. For the next day and i wake up and you know i was i guess i swore up and down i'm not getting high anymore i'm like man i just lost a job i have a shit ton of money in the bank because i just worked this job for like 50 days straight and I, but i just got fired so i can't do any more drugs because you know, it's really fucking got fired and i remember the whole plane ride the whole plane ride back to calgary because i had bought this car i was working i had bought this car and i was gonna pick it up when i was done this job uh, pick it up a little earlier now because i got fired uh, right but uh I remember the whole plane ride. I'm like, fuck, I'm not, you know, I just, I'm done with this life. Man. I'm not getting high anymore. I'm not getting high anymore, man. I can't do it. I get, I land in Calgary, grab the car, right? Grab this, this, you know, shocker. I know it's a BMW, Bill. How <laughs> would you like the gold figure? Right? Gold figure. Um, I picked this car up. It's a black one. No, it was actually, it was actually dark silver. <laughs> okay. It's actually dark silver. We'll get to the black one later. Um, I remember getting the car, getting the insurance, you mean, and, and hopping the car. I'm driving back to the, the place where this opiate thing all started for me. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm not getting high. You know, I'm like, I'm on the phone. I'm looking for places to live. I'm driving, listening to music. I feel pretty good, you know what I mean? And, you know, a couple hours in the drive, still not using. You know, I'm gonna not go. a cloud in the horizon? No, no, I'm not getting high. I can tell you that much, okay? Third hour, not getting high, you know what I mean? Like, making plans with friends to go for for dinner when i get there i can't remember if it was like the fourth or fifth hour because it was like a six hour drive from, from calgary to, to trail i can you remember i couldn't remember the thought process bill all i was all i remember today was being on the phone with the drug dealer going you know what i'm heading to town right now if you start driving towards me even though you're not going that way we'll meet i'll get that faster right so, I first stop. He didn't come meet me, of course. He fucking told me I was fucking crazy. Just come see me when you get there. So, I get there. And, man, I remember having $40,000 in the bank. I just paid $10,000 for this car. I picked up a bag of dope. Long story short, in eight weeks, I managed to spend $40,000 in cash. My buddy let me live with him, or was going to rent a room off him. Paid him one month's rent. Couldn't pay the next month's rent. Ripped him off for a whole bunch of weed because he grew weed. Traded that for heroin. He found out, kicked me out. I sold the car that I just paid $10,000 for six weeks before for fucking 1600 bucks, And I'm homeless on the street in fucking small town BC in a matter of eight weeks. 
how did this happen again? <laughs> is what I'm telling myself. How did this happen again? You know what I mean? But I went to treatment in 2010 in Calgary yeah. at one of the treatment centers in here, right? And you know, and things are really falling apart, right? And things like I'm fucking, I'm living in this guy's house with my ex girlfriend at the time, and I'm like, fuck, I'm like, I'm like, I have 60. I, the reason I sold the car. It's like how my thought pattern is, how fucking shitty my thinking was. I'm like, I need the money for treatment. I need the money for treatment. I don't know how much treatment costs, Bill. It could have cost 10 bucks or it could have cost 10,000. I wouldn't have known. I didn't even call and ask. I just know I needed the money for treatment. Little did I know. Obviously, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I needed the money for, mm -hmm. right? I need an excuse to sell the car to buy more drugs or whatever the fucking case is, right? So I call this treatment center. I'm like, yeah, I need to come. Like, my life's shit. I need to come. I need to come there. They're like, yeah, come in for an interview. 2018. 2018. This is August 2018. Come in for an interview. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, I can make it there in like three days. <laughs> I got to catch the bus now because I got no car. I have some money to buy the bus ticket, so I bought the bus ticket. But I'm like, fuck. You know I mean, like, what if the bus breaks down, Bill? What if the <laughs> bus breaks down? I don't want to go. I don't want to be dope sick if the bus breaks down. So I, I'll get a bunch of dope. And, right? So boom, there goes a thousand bucks. Hop on the bus. The dope's gone in like two hours, dude. The bus never breaks down, of course. So I arrive in Calgary. And I got 24 hours before the, this interview. I'm not even accepted into this treatment. I got an interview at this treatment center. And I got 800 bucks in my fucking pocket. And 24 hours to kill. Well, I can get a little bit more high, I guess, right? You want to guess how much money I made at that treatment center with, Bill? Zero. 40 bucks. And the only reason I have 40 bucks is I couldn't find a fucking dope dealer sell me dope from the walk downtown to this treatment center. So I walk into this treatment center. I walk down the stairs because I've been there before. I kind of knew the layout of the land, so to speak. I kind of, you know, like, I, I'm not even accepting this place. I have a hockey bag full of clothes. I'm fucking throwing tinfoil and pipes out my pocket while I'm walking up to this place, right? I have a fucking, I have three shirts and a pair of pants and a pair of shoes. And I still have my cell phone at this point. For I always needed a phone, but. Um, I, I I'm dying. I'm fucking dying of alcoholism. Not not knowing it, right? I just like I I just gotta I gotta get my life straight, man. I, mm. I get my life straight. So I walk into this treatment center, walk down the stairs, sit on the couch, and like sitting there, like they finally brought me in the office, and I must have looked like goddamn death. You mean? And like I go into the chair, I go into the office, and there's like a chair and a desk, and I'm sitting in front of this desk and a chair, and and the guy's like. So again, you know, like we took you like an extra couple days to get here. And like I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like so, like what happened? What's like what's been going on in your life? Like what's going on? And I, I no shitting you, I think I made it like fucking like 15 seconds into this conversation, and I just broke down, man. I've never cried like that in my entire life. You know, like I, you know, I look back on that that time, and you know, and at that point, my life's over. Right? My parents want nothing to do with me anymore. Right? My brother wants nothing to do with me. No, I have no friends. I've ripped them all off or fucked them over somehow. Right? You know, I have no one. I am fucking bankrupt, as the book tells me. Spiritually, emotionally, financially, all of the above check boxes were checked off. Right? So, you know, I managed to like get the story out of like, you know, like how the everything turned to opiate, you know, I went, to, we, we turned, um, you know, things that had progressed to this new level that, um, you know, it brought me to the, the point of self-destruction. Um, you know, and this guy, this counselor, this treatment center, just, he sat there and he just listened with his arms crossed and, and I'm crying and I'm fucking like, you know, like sobering and, and like all he's sitting there, he didn't say an entire word the entire time I did this. I got 10 minutes to get started, of course, because, like, fucking taking breaks because I can't stop crying. He's like, he only did was have me fucking Kleenex, you know what I mean? Like, I, I thought it was some special case. They never heard this shit before. You know? Like, <laughs> um, you know, and at the end of that conversation, he only said one thing to me. And I always tell this when I'm telling my story. He's like, Regan, he's like, you know what you should do is you, you should probably remember this moment right now. And I get goosebumps saying that. You know I mean, and it's like, and I, I'll tie this all in together with my sponsorship and stuff like that. You know I mean, but at that moment, I was—I think it was the most desperate I've ever been in my entire life. 
Uh, uh, and I think that anyone who listens to this podcast knows what I'm fucking talking about. That fucking hopeless, defeating point of your life where you're like, something's got to give. And that was mine. The hideous four horsemen, terror, bewilderment, frustration, despair. That's Heavy it. drinkers who live this life will know what we're talking about, something like that. Right. You know what I mean? If you felt those feelings, if you felt the way that I felt when I told that story, you know what the fuck I'm talking about, right? Life is over. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to get better. I don't know if ever life is ever going to be different. Yeah. Right? And my recovery journey started at that moment, right? I kicked heroin in that fucking treatment center, cold turkey. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, I was grateful to have a bed. You know, they never, you know, they, they at the end of that conversation, you know, like, he's like, usually, Regan, like, we don't usually do this, but we're going to give you a bed right now. Because I don't think, he's like, we don't think you have much time left. And I'm forever grateful. I just was, saw one of these counselors at a meeting I was at before I came to this meeting today. He was a counselor when I was in there, and um, you know, and they're like, "Am I, you know, I detoxed there, and I spent an entire year at that treatment center. I did all the phases, the phaser things they, you know, like these treatment centers do, because I've been to a few of them now. Um, you know, what I mean, because I remember committing to my committing. I'm, like, I'm staying a year. I gotta stay a year. I gotta get my fucking life back on track, right? You know, and we talked about before that we started this podcast about." what I need to recover from, mm -hmm. right? And, and I think a lot of fucking people in early recovery just don't fucking get that, dude, mm -mm. right? And well, I, why, why do you think they don't? I have my opinions. Okay. <clears throat> I think primarily because the message within most rooms, 12-step rooms, is actually a diluted message, and uh, the truth isn't really spoken about of really what we're re trying to recover from. A lot of people will come and think it's about a substance and everyone at, in these rooms and in these groups, they pat the person on the ass and say, fuck, right on, you're here, you got a year, good, you're on your way. And where are they on their way to? They're on their way to a fucking relapse. 100 fucking percent, bro. Because the rooms are watered down with opinions and theories and, and, and it's about a drink. Right. It's really not about a drink. Right, and exactly. I mean, and I think that that... Uh... You know, I, mean, I you know, at that those at that time of my life, like heroin was the problem. If I just stop doing that, yeah, life will get better. And and realistically, it did get better. Yeah, right. I have some money in the bank. I'm fucking looking good. I'm putting on some weight. I'm feeling better. But here's the thing. Here's here's the thing that I tell my sponsees today. Okay, especially guys that are in treatment centers. Okay. You know, like, when I hear that, you know, like, fuck, man, like, life's really getting better. I got my bank account. I'm like, oh, cool. You got a fucking bank account, eh? Right? And it's like, these people, you know, like, it looks like their life is getting better. Like, I look at their life and, and if superficially, it looks like it's getting better. And they think it's getting better because they've banked a few fucking Alberta Works checks, right? They've got some meals in their treatment center and they got some deep in sleep over the last two weeks. Right, but in the, but in my opinion, you've done nothing to prevent this from happening again, right? And that's what happened to me. I, I surrounded myself. I was a product of my environment in these treatment centers, right? I had some accountability for a drug test, right? I was going to these meetings. I was, you know, I I did a few good things in early recovery, mm -hmm. okay? and that's when I first met you. Was right, right in around then, right? You mean, and I I. I did get a sponsor at one point, I think. And then I think you sponsored me for a little bit and took me through. Later. A, later, right? But that was in that before I relapsed. That was yeah. in that year, that 15, 13 months or whatever I stayed sober, you know what I mean? But, like, I had bigger and better plans. Regan yeah. knew what was going on, you know what I mean? You know? And it was like, you know, I, I got a home group. You know what I mean? That was great. You know, one thing I'm super grateful for that I really did was connect with people outside of a treatment center. Yeah. Right? I think that's what people, another failure that I see people doing, right? They're so, oh my God, my fucking, yeah, fucking brotherhood at this fucking treatment center. But 90% of you fucking guys are going to relapse, right? So where, where, where do I want to stay? Where do I want to put my roots? Mm -hmm. Well, I want to put my roots in a fucking, in this, in these couple of meetings that I found where I fucking find people that have fucking three, four, five, six years of recovery, right? They're going to be there, right? 
And they were there throughout my that sobriety. I'm going to call it sobriety because we we talk about recovery being. Uh, I, I can probably think that you're going to agree with this. Is that you know sobriety? I kind of want to kill myself because I'm still suffering from the fucking sickness and yeah. the spiritual illness. But recovery, I don't suffer from that, right? right. Um, so you know, like I, I got a home group and I met some people that you know, like that have some real recovery, right? Um, was I really, really at that point to believe what the book was t- telling me? Not absolutely not, right? Thank you for tuning in to the UDR cast. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. The viewpoints and the opinions expressed today were solely of the individual sharing them. If you resonated with this episode, please follow us and share this link with anyone that may benefit from it. Please visit us at billward.life to see everything that we have going on. We can recover. One person, one family, one community at a time.